Three, two, one, mark. Nice. Alice, now you say. That's the closest it's ever been. Mm. <laughs> That's right. I had to get the clap nice and close. That's our, our bi-weekly clap for the NHS. <laughs> yeah, we do one single clap. Yeah. <laughs> That's all they get from us. But because that clap is on audio and it is on Patreon or uh, Apple Podcasts, which means that it will exist forever, um, in many ways it is just doing like 10,000 claps plus. Mm. I, I would uh, say the opposite. We are clapping for one specific doctor uh, at St. Tommy's Hospital. Who... <laughs> <laughs> who's, who's, doing, who's doing the work of whispering while wearing a mask. Um, yeah. And that's why we should, <laughs> exactly. we should make masks for him. Hello and welcome to this premium episode. Premium. Uh, of Trash Future, that podcast you're listening to right now. Milo, your Me. sexy voice sounds a lot like Statham. <laughs> Premium. <laughs> I don't, if I don't listen to a Patreon episode of my favorite leftist podcast in the next 15 minutes, I was going to literally explode. True anon. Um, mm. And we, I am here. It's me, Riley. I'm joined by Milo as Jason Statham. Hello. Hello, you slag. <laughs> um, <laughs> Who's Hussein as uh, as Gaison Statham? Yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to try. Do, I'm not going to try to do a voice. But what I am going to say is that yesterday I watched the most amazing Jason Statham esque movie, which is called The Gentleman. Um, it's so it's so bad, but it's incredibly good. Um, it's like what would happen if you like crossed the worst types of American movie gangsters with the worst type of British movie gangsters, and awesome. somewhere along the line you had Hugh Grant who just did like Joker smiles. Like randomly, hey, um, what do they great. call that? The freaking it. Russia report. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That's right. And also, uh, Jacena Stathamina. <laughs> oh, I'm, no, I'm, I'm not. I'm not doing the Jason Statham voice. I didn't. I didn't make the NHS spend all of its coronavirus money on transgender voice therapy uh, to sound more like Jason Statham rather than less. Yeah. Wait no, female female Jason Statham is just like any woman from Fake Taxi. Yeah. Oh, I don't get a cock in the next fifteen minutes. It's like what we have angry on Twitter because what they think is that like there are people who are forcing the NHS to give them great um, Jason Statham accents without working hard for it. That's right. So uh, it is us. It's Riley, Milo, Allison, who's saying uh, no guest this premium episode. Instead. We are going to we're going to do one of our our, our we're we focusing on just one topic for this episode. We're not going to do oh here's a startup, here's a reading, here's a little interview. No, we're focusing entirely. We're going to go through mm-hmm. the looking glass on some Carcosa shit on this one because this one mm-hmm. this episode is the episode that ties together a lot of like plot threads that have been left from season one and two of Trash Future. Yeah, like whatever happened to Weird Uncle Lenny? <laughs> Align your chakras and let the energy flow because you're about to be learning things at a greater speed than you ever thought possible, some of which may not even be true, all of which are completely bizarre. And it's all centered on an Australian esoteric financial technology company called Greensill. Hmm. Yeah, this, this doesn't sound like much, and it won't, mm. until you get into this and you find yourself levitating a foot above your chair. Like, yeah. this, is, this is the episode that's going to get us all killed. 
we sh- we should oh, all yeah. say to start with that none of us feel at all suicidal. Uh, we don't go near any windows. We all check mm-hmm. under our cars with mirrors on yeah. sticks. I don't uh, even drive. If I'm sh- if I'm found in a car shot twice in the back of the head, <laughs> I don't drive. Maybe I'd be found um, like having fallen off my bike. I don't drive. But I hate shooting head. myself in the back of the head. It's my <laughs> yeah. least favorite thing. <laughs> <laughs> All of us have had our hyoid bones thoroughly inspected by medical doctors. <laughs> yeah. Wait, I had also, my hyoid bone inspected by a medical doctor who kept on saying something, but I couldn't hear him behind the mask. Yeah, he was whispering. <laughs> Um, yeah, yeah so, that's, uh, okay. I would like to say that gr- straight off the bat, that especially for an Australian company, green sill really does sound like a kind of old timey slur. Oh, mate, can't can't move around this town these days for all the fucking green sills who've moved in. <laughs> it's like an incel, but like an environmentalist one. So basically, like Alice was saying, like Al- like Alice was saying, this episode ties a lot of things together. It's about this tech company that isn't a tech company that's been valued at over six billion dollars by who else but SoftBank. And which yeah. is creating all of these little financial bombs all over the world in every market. Um, yeah, it's the fucking League of Shadows. And it is creating these, these, these ticking time bombs, big and small, uh, in all kinds of different companies. And it's this, through this strange and exotic financing practice called reverse factoring. Which <laughs> is, it's, it's not obvious what, it's, what, it's, what it is. All it's the kids on confusing. TikTok are doing it. And it's very, very boring. And that's the key. American magic. That's the, the key is it's complicated and it's boring and it's esoteric. And they're depending on you not to understand it. Mm. But coronavirus has already caused three of these ticking time bombs to go off already in companies that have been, had exposure to reverse factoring. With the collapse of two you've probably never heard of, AgriTrade and NMC Healthcare. And one you definitely have heard of called Bright House. And good riddance to that. Mm. But these bombs have been going off slowly for years. For example, the failure of Carillion, the UK outsourcing giant that we discussed with Alan White, that was in many ways precipitated and disguised by a very complicated reverse factored supply chain. Yeah, this is this is like an obscure financial thing, but it crops up in so many companies and so many startups that we've talked about on the show before. And when we started doing the notes for this, I just found myself getting more and more conspiratorial. Like my third eye opened, and then my fourth, fifth, and sixth eye. Uh, I like I'm mostly comprised of eyes now. Yeah, Alice has stepped into the conceptual teleporter from the fly. Yeah, it is just well, getting literally, eyes. literally, all I'm doing right now is just converting every surface in my apartment into a cork board so that I can like pin more things to other things because it's all connected around this, and it's insane. <laughs> and so, okay, we're gonna start. We're not gonna. We're gonna start first with an explanation of what this is. And this is from Credit Suisse marketing material. So this is in a report they released some time ago. And this is an interview with the man behind Greensill, whose name, appropriately enough, is Lex Greensill. Uh, Mr. Greensill. Lex, famously not evil first name. Yeah, exactly. Mr. Greensill, how would you describe the business model of Greensill Capital in a few words? Oh, well, certainly not fraudulent. (laughs) I'd like to lead with that. (laughs) Greensill's model has grown from the fundamental belief that access to working capital should be better priced and more easily available to those who need it. In a word, democratized. It's not a few words. Mm. Also, that's what the fuck do you mean democratized? So keep that in mind. Keep in mind that he says 
that this is all about democratizing access to capital as we go through the explanation of what this company does, how it works, and what its effects have been. So he goes on. To achieve this, we have partnered with a group of leading invoicing technology platforms to provide early payments to entire supply chains from large multinational suppliers down to the smallest SMEs in over 40 countries. And though through our unique funding model, we are able to tap into large and diverse pools of capital alongside our own balance sheet to deliver the scalability and flexibility that our programs require. Anyone that, that should set off alarm bells, anyone who says a series of words like that. Yeah, well, they, that certainly was a series of words. They said a few words, and then he's like, "Yeah, we um, we 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 love to like investigate the synergy of certain like small supply chains in relation to the yeah. uh, fuck." We're just Jesus. finding, you know, blue sky synergies in in yeah, the middle of efficiencies, and don't ask about it. It's not evil. Absolutely soporific, which is like weird considering the whole, you know. Uh, spooky uh, fucking castle thunder aspect to everything else that we find out about this. Not to like preview, but like. Oh, can we get some castle thunder on deck? <laughs> yes! So I'm going to actually, like, number one, so keep that in mind, right? Number one, he says he's trying to democratize access to capital. Number two, he says he's doing it by being a technology company. Mm hmm. So I'm going to explain what this is, and it's going to be confusing and weird, and it's not going to make much sense. If you're bored listening to it, remember, that's the point. So it's called reverse factoring. It's called reverse factoring, <laughs> and your child <laughs> may be doing it. <laughs> Hi, I'm um, Troy McClure. You may remember me from such previous scams as, <laughs> as all the other stuff we talk about on this show. Yeah. Uh, so this guy, Lex Greensill, more or less invented it as a uh, kind of financial transaction, or at least he took it and to put it created into the form it is today. Mm. And it is going to, if it's not going to collapse the economy, it is a, let's just say it's a market that has all the characteristics of the mortgage-backed security market in 2008, except the entire world is exposed to it because it's rife in the entire private sector. I love well, how we, we've already, it's really cool. Yeah. I love how we've identified uh, as part of season three that we have stepped off of the ledge of capital. And then we've identified that, oh, and on the way down, someone has filled our pockets full of bombs. <laughs> that's, I think that's the best way to understand it. So I'm about to explain this, and it's going to be strange, but f try and follow me. Conventional factoring is when a company sells its accounts receivable uh, to a third party, like a bank, which then collects money from the buyer. So your accounts receivable, it's the money that people owe you for providing the services. Yeah, you get a uh, debt collector. You get Dog the Bounty Hunter to like chase down your accounts or, for you. you know, yeah. Or even accounts receivable is just, I've, I have a pencil company. I ship you a bunch of, a bunch of pencils. Um, I'm... And um, yeah, you've you know, got your only fans. You're not getting the money for the yeah. feet picks till the first well, of the month. You need that money now to buy the containers well, for the well, bath no, accounts, Stop. Accounts receivable is perfect, a perfectly normal thing for businesses to have. That's just the money that you're expecting to come in from the people that you're selling your stuff to. Yeah. Um, the Sims. Right. So con conventional factoring happens when a, a basically I sell, say I have uh, $100 due from you next week. I need it this week. So a bank pays me $98 and then. Uh, now and then goes and collects the hundred dollars from the buyer. That's a uh, common supply chain practice. Reverse factoring is when a company handles its accounts payable via a third party, such as Greensill, rather than paying suppliers directly. So suppliers accept a, a slight cut, but get paid today rather than in the future. So it is essentially that suppliers accept a slight cut to their invoice, 
right? So um, you owe me $100. I accept $98, but I get paid today. Um, rather than getting paid when the invoice is actually due. Why do and, I why do I feel as if I've just seen uh, the the like the ping pong ball disappear under one of the cups and then get them shuffled around really fast? Um, yeah, uh, uh, Hussein, you haven't said much. Uh, what do you what do you think of this so far? I'm still trying to like under- so one of the things that I was going to say was when I was like researching this yesterday. I, 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 me also being a dumb guy, was like, well, maybe if I look at a picture, it'll make more sense. And all the pictures that you can see are basically like, they are, I mean, just to put it simply, they're pyramids. They're all fucking pyramids. (laughs) (laughs) The most efficient shape. Lots of them have eyes on them. I'm not really sure why that is. And it kind of of also reminded me of something that like teen girls do sometimes, which is like, there's this, I can't remember what it is. I keep thinking drop shipping, but it's not. There's another word for it. So if like any listener, realizes just message me yeah what, like, one of our many teen girl listeners one of our many teen girl <laughs> listeners um <laughs> uh when they kind of like can't afford like hype beast clothes so then they end up like going through like a third party service um oh, and like paying them, like, a, sorry say that again Klarna that service Klarna. Klarna. yeah yeah oh it might be yeah i mean just, just they Are basically get all the, they get, yeah they get all this stuff and they pay it in, so that might actually make more sense than this fucking system. So I've just been like listening attentively and being like, well, maybe I'm stupid for not understanding this. I'm really happy that actually I'm not. And like, even the person who like has been most like fixated on this all week still doesn't get it. I just, I've had a very long day. Riley, you've been like walking around yelling about this for like a week and a half by this point. <laughs> That's true. I know, I've had, just had a very long day today. Well, one, one last thing. And I know, I don't know whether this is going to come up like later in the episode. Like this also seems to be like a very Australian thing. Like every website that I've read about reverse financing has like some sort of route in Australia. Australian politicians have been like arguing in defense of it in the parliament. So I don't yeah, know. Whether it's, it's, it's just, just yeah. It's just Lex Greensill. Yeah. It's basically <laughs> just this is the guy who in if not invented, then perfected right, this okay. weird this one weird trick. There's nothing more Australian than reverse financing. The whole country is upside goddamn down. <laughs> so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to finish describing what this is. So to remind you, reverse factoring is when a company handles its accounts payable via third party. So um, suppliers accept a cut, but get paid today rather than in the future. Yeah, so, I outsource um, my debts. Yeah, I'm, I'm owed, uh, I'm owed $100, $100. I accept 98 so I get paid today instead of in the future. And what makes this so incredibly pernicious is that this basically means that um, companies are able to turn their entire supply chain into a personal bank uh, that they can then invent new credit out of thin air. Um, it's tu- so it it's means- turning companies into governments, which is really yeah. funny to me. You, yeah. you just you're essentially you're issuing bonds on your debt like you have a national bank, but instead mm-hmm. it's just like one Australian man. Exactly. Companies have effectively been able to, um, so more or less print money in some cases, but without it showing up as debt. So uh, a lot of what happens is a large company will extend their payment schedule to some ludicrous amount of time, say like 120, 160 days, uh, and then um, say if you want, uh, if you want to be paid in, in 30 days, which is a normal like amount of time to ever an invoice to be processed, you must use our reverse factoring partner and therefore accept a, a reduced amount of the invoice. And the crazy thing is that effectively turns uh, 
the company's accounts payable, so the things I have to pay you as a supplier of, of items to my company, that turns that from just normal operating expenses into debt, which is then owed to a financial institution, can be renegotiated, but most importantly, securitized and sold. Oh, good. So we're back from mortgage-backed securities to an even more tenuous debt-backed security. I love it when the economy gets collapsed by a bunch of people who've invested trillions of dollars in futures on bunning snags that never existed. <laughs> I mean, that's kind of what, like, it, it feels like this kind of, it feels like what we saw in 2008, but like just more corrupted and like injected with like some bizarre serums to turn it into like, I, I it's gone from like, you know, backing like assets, which at least kind of have some sort of like physical you can kind of fixate it, fixate on it as like a physical, uh, a physical moniker of some sort. To like now, uh, if I have this right, so basically just like turning unpaid wait, like unpaid like wages or unpaid, unpaid debts, yeah, unpaid, unpaid debts debt usually usually for opex, right. which is for suppliers of things that could be suppliers basically, of power, they, yeah. suppliers of of raw materials, uh, suppliers even of uh, of property, so rent. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean. I, I, okay, so it's like it's so it's like um, basically like monetizing and turning the supply, like the actual motions of the supply chain into debt that you can not, then refinance. Not monetizing, financializing, financializing because, they, yeah. become, into, because okay. they become a tradable. Your supply chain basically beca- turns from something where I pay you to send me a thing, and it turns into something that can be bought and sold by uh, uh, a major financial institution. I I mean, let's let's be clear. There's there's two parts of this, right? There's the reverse factoring part in and of itself is literally just this Australian monorail guy comes to your company and offers to give you the money printer that governments have. And then for as long as that works, you can just be like, and print out all of the Mm -hmm. stuff that you would normally be paying for, like, I don't know, the fuel to run your machines or the electricity to keep your lights on. Uh, just off of the back of this like black box Australian corporation. The other half of that is that what that Australian corporation is doing with that debt is sort of turning it into a financial instrument that it can gamble yeah. with. That's correct. That's the exactly right. machine, which fuels the bond machine. It feels normal, innovative, something that we've never seen before, and something that I feel will just be fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Well, because the thing is, right, like these... And I'm not even going to say it's a scam because it's perfectly legal. But these kinds of of financial practices, the ones that were happening in 2008, what we're talking about now, I mean, it always works until it doesn't. Yeah, they put Alden and North Haverbrook on the map. Because Mm. the thing is, like this, you if you let's say you have a heavily financialized supply chain, you can keep just churn. You no matter what, you can just keep churning that through. So long as your company continues to be a going concern. Yeah, money Um, machine go brr. And the thing is, you can effectively print money to keep yourself in operation as long as Greensill agrees to let you keep doing it. And they could have a number of reasons to do that, but we'll get to that later. And so let's say they let you keep doing it until your company implodes because either you just do Enron shit, which happened at uh, Abengoa, Carillion, NMC Healthcare, Bright House, and Agritrade. So five wake of bodies behind them, for one thing. When we say Enron shit, are we talking like embezzling from the company, or we're talking about uh, we're talking about specifically uh, keeping your company keeping your company afloat by um, by by sort of disguising a lot of bad debts in your supply chain. So we don't know. I don't know if they were specifically stealing from the company. 
but that kind of deceptive that kind of thing, that kind of fin- financial misconduct, let's say. Yeah, using company kind- money to buy company stock, that kind of thing. Yeah. <laughs> um. And well, the, and the, because the thing is, because we because reverse factor debt is recorded in your books as operating cost that makes your company look like it's in better financial health than it is allowing you to borrow at better rates sell off your the stock that you have now before your everyone realizes how shit your company is or disguising general failure and bad behavior for a whole hell of a lot fucking longer yeah because it's all in this black australian box well it's not even yeah. just that it's once the money le- goes from uh, the the factor to your books as the company, it's not booked as debt. And that's crucial because the most important ratios for determining the financial health of a company are basically their the debt to their equity or their debt to their income. How much are they borrowing versus how much are they earning? But when you use a reverse factoring, you just churn a bunch of finance through it and it looks like a healthy company until it, you realize that something like Bright House had like leverage ratios of like, like like ninety to one or some shit. By the time it actually collapsed, so, what what you're telling me is that WeWork were ahead of their time with the community adjusted EBITDA, and that this is entirely now a vibes based economy because the line is getting really perverse in its death throes. You don't even need to have vibes for this. You can yeah. have really bad vibes, and it still works. And here's the crazy thing: you're saying, "Well, surely this kind of behavior is illegal." But remember, Greensill's not a bank; it's a tech company. <laughs> Amazing. So it's and not regulated like a bank. Not even at all. <laughs> Reverse factoring. Pro- I looked this up. You know what the recommendation? You know what the the, rec- the regulation is at the European level for reverse factoring? Mm. Companies are encouraged to not report reverse factoring debt as operating expenses. Yeah. Right. I I love a non-binding encouragement. No, this is so. This mm. is. The, the, so wait, it that is some Liz Warren shit if I ever heard it. Yeah, it, it takes it takes deposits and it pays out and it financializes it on the basis that that is debt, but it's not debt legally because even though it does all of the things that a bank does, it's not a bank because it's a tech company. So my question is, mm. what's the tech? What what? Uh, I'll give you two answers. Uh, okay. First, it actually doesn't take deposits, so it's not a bank. Okay. So there's an entire sector uh, called the shadow banking sector. Oh, that, Ooh, sounds that sounds good. good. <laughs> <laughs> and shadow banking is basically any financial firm. Usually, they deal in debt and credit um, as brokers of debt and credit uh, that do not take deposits and so are not regulated like banks. Greensill hmm. is the largest non-bank bond issuer in Europe. And huh. so this should be an example of why there's a bit Riley explains here. I'm nesting a Riley explains in a Riley explains, but why the concept of prudential regulation, which is the Warren approach, always fails, because prudential regulation tries to ameliorate future risks by looking at, by be acting prudently, um, and by say trying to prevent bad behavior where you know it will be. But our rules-based form of prudential regulation says, for example, well, in 2008 the problem was banks. And the problem was banks taking certain kinds of risks that reduced their overall, uh, their, that reduced their liquidity to, un, to unsustainably low levels. We're going to solve that by saying, okay, you banks, you banks identified by being these characteristics, you must Assigned keep- bank regulation. <laughs> <laughs> you must Sorry. keep, you must keep a certain amount of, of, of capital in reserve versus your debts. Um, and- 
and that that's like that's the main approach of how they stop this because yeah it's like it's like it's like outlawing it's like do it's it's basically like implementing the tsa after 9-11 already happened mm. it's like thank god this we isn't didn't do gonna that. stop anything <laughs> it's like the, the thing that the, the thing that you're preventing has already happened you're basically yeah. padlocking a door from which the horse is thoroughly bolted okay, okay, and the horse but, is now in your house kicking shit over but what's the tech oh uh i said that it earlier uh they have yeah more or less milo that's basically it they have a website and an email address uh, i mean in hmm, order to in sad. order to do like it in not. order to do reverse factoring you do need to be a, have some like um you need, voice a, you need one bloomberg terminal and like a microsoft office subscription <laughs> yeah you need a clippy no what you need is mm. you need some invoicing technology because it requires you to process invoices really 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 fast and you're basically charging a premium for doing that to the people who the invoices are owed to. And so that's what makes it a tech company. But it's not its real value isn't that it processes invoices fast. It's that it created an entirely new asset class out of fucking nothing. Hmm. Yeah, it, 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 it hmm. sort of financializes the sale of uh, money printers. Yeah. Damn. And so the idea that this, is a, te- that. this, is, this is a tech company on the barest whisper of a definition... But like that's the other thing, right? What we, what have we learned about tech companies from having done this show for so long? That they're really cool and good. There's no such thing. They have great merch. Is that the real innovation is always circumventing regulation? Mm. Uber is. I'd go a step further. It's not the real innovation. It's the only innovation. The only innovation left in capital that's profitable is like coming up with new ways of financialization. I, so, I I kind of feel like the more that we the more that we like look at this, the more it was just like you know that you know like the money printer meme, like the money printer mm-hmm. code meme. They were just like, yeah. Well, yeah, well, yeah. Why don't we just make that into a company? That's, yeah. that's kind of what this is, right? Well, it's 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 jamming two memes together. It's the money printer meme. What if we did that in order to do the stonks meme? <laughs> yeah. It's it. What it really, what's really funny to me about it though, is like just just some European bureaucrat being like, who's called like you know Lisbeth van Schwarzepiet Dunkel, um, who's like, I completely trust these corporate executives not to be corrupt and to honestly declare this stuff, even though I myself have so far been fired from eight European Union jobs for stealing like over a hundred billion euros worth of pens. <laughs> <laughs> well, here's the thing, Alice. Right. Uber is a tech company. It's an employment. It's an employment rights circumvention platform. Airbnb is not a tech company. It's a pro- it's a property and and and, um, and like rent tenants rights circumvention platform. Mm-hmm. Uh, and just like this, Greensill is not a tech company. It's a financial regulation circumvention platform. Mm-hmm. None of these com- tech companies are actually tech companies. Like there is such a thing as a tech company. It's just most of them you probably haven't heard of because they do some quiet, competent B two B service, and then then get immediately bought out by Google. Yeah, you've probably never heard of most of the actual tech companies. Um, But anyway, so all they're doing like weird border racism using facial recognition. (laughs) So I mean, human rights regulation, human rights um, circumvention. Uh, So. Where where we are? Let's let's use this as as a worked example. Your Vodafone, you agree to pay a supplier hundred pounds in ninety days. Greensill pays your supplier ninety eight pounds today. How does Greensill pay your supplier? They have to, and this is where we talked about that financialization. Issue a financial instrument themselves in order to pay that supplier today. Well, so remember, good. they're not a they're not a bank, but they can sign a contract with say um, 
a credit Suisse fund. So all the big banks now have supply chain finance funds because guess what? This has become massively popular in the last couple of years. Huh. They can Wonder sign why. a contract, a contract, which is a promise to pay uh, that fund. So essentially what they do is they set themselves up as the middleman. So they, Greensill doesn't necessarily have an incentive to choose good investments. They just have an incentive to choose more investments. Anyway, so vo- now Greensill issues that financial instrument themselves in order to pay the supplier today against the expectation that Vodafone is a blue chip company who will come up with that 100 pounds within 90 days to pay back you to pay back Credit Suisse. Credit Suisse is a big one here. But Vodafone is able to invest in that financial instrument. This is not an example. This is real. <laughs> okay, so hang on. This is, this is, I mean, that's obviously funny, but like, this is a bit that I genuinely don't understand. Why would Vodafone buy their own debt? Because isn't that just the same as just because paying it's off asset. the debt? You've turned debt into a into a capital asset. Yeah, you you do, you shift the thing one column over. Yeah, but they've had to buy it, so they've had to spend money to buy it. So, but their money was an asset before. Yeah, um, I I think they I think they have probably borrowed money to buy. Like, like, I, I imagine they might have borrowed money to buy that. I know that they've done it to flatter their balance sheet, and again, perfectly legal. It's a financial instrument. You can just invest in your own supply chain. Damn, in the future, every transaction is just Vodafone paying Vodafone via Credit Suisse. <laughs> well, kind of, yeah. The, the human centipede was like a much more like poignant film than we all like to. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, this is just this is just government bond shit, but applied to uh, fucking like your phone company, which is insane. Yeah. Because so long as Greensill agrees to keep facilitating your supply chain finance. Your supply, your all of your everything you need to get paid will be paid, so long as they choose to keep doing it. So Bright House was effectively able to um, not necessarily print money because new money didn't come into circulation. It was just able to churn a bunch of uh, like, uh, if not Credit Suisse, then maybe one of the other big banks' money through its balance sheet to more or less stay alive for longer. Um, and so Lex Greensill himself devised this system specifically for Vodafone. Well, he worked for Citibank in the late 2000s in London, and after that, decided to take it global. And nowadays, you'll be hard-pressed to find a firm that doesn't make liberal use of SCF. And it may not be as strange and incestuous at the Vodafone example, but it is weird. And by the way, Neil Garad, Vodafone's treasury director, joined Greensill as CFO in 2019 after basically mm. handing Lex Greensill uh, his first gigantic client uh, about a decade ago. So mm. that's fine. Cool. Yeah. yeah. And also, also like the, the amount of control... like. Factoring we've talked about, but reverse factoring, you you handing over your entire uh, accounts payable to to gamble on as a financialized instrument is such a like uh, a, a deep level of control of your operations that you're just mm-hmm. giving to fucking upside down Lyle Lanley that I, 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 I don't know, man, it fucking it scares the hell out of me. Well, so, I actually approached Lex Greensill for comment about this, and he said, "Get your hand off my penis!" Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, so, this is democracy manifests. So this is the marketing text from a website of a subsidiary company of Greensill specializing in receivable securitization. So this is the other end. So they're not just doing this as uh, payable securitization, which goes to the financial institutions. They're also offering to securitize your receivables. So they're go- they want to burn the candle at both ends. So uh, they say in the first 30 years since the first trades were placed with the investors in the US, the total outstanding amount of receivables securitized worldwide has grown to about 50, 60 billion today. And it's thought that the total world market could grow as large as 5 trillion. And the reason that they say it's thought to be 60 billion is because nobody knows. 
This is literally mm. nobody knows how much of the economy is just this. So it's I was about to say this is this is a parasite, right? Like it it, it comes in and it seizes control of your company and it just it, it like it gets into the ant's brainstem and it marches it to the top of the blade of grass, right? Uh <laughs> And it, it's it's totally opaque. It's totally uh, far-reaching, and just it, it's, it's created this whole kind of shadow economy dealing to itself from itself. And it it just yeah, I I my hyoid bone is tingling. It it feels so we, real bad. So we talk about like why why are why are Earth equity markets seem so deeply disconnected from the underlying economy? It's because. There are exist not just uh, supply chain financing. This is a big one, but it's not the only one because these kinds of financial products basically exist to sustain these values independently of any underlying economic activity. And by the way, if you think this isn't widespread, systemic, or pervasive in the economy, here's just an example I found while doing some random looking. Which is that Australian telco giant Telstra increased its reverse factored financing from. 42 million to 600 million in one year, representing nearly 20% of its 2019 cash flow. And yet still got, and yet still got an A credit rating because none of this shows up as debt. It all shows up as operating expenses. And it can invest in the financialized instrument, which is going to be backed by Telstra's credit rating, which remains as an A. It, Correct. It, the the thing keeps it. It's like having a fucking game shark for the economy. <laughs> it's, I mean, it's it's all all the stock markets just been like having a rumble pack. Like the entire stock market's just <laughs> yeah, you, you hit the turbo button. Yeah, so the entire stock market's just sitting on a washing machine at this point. <laughs> Damn, um, they're all they're so all aimbotting. Let's so I, do I think quick... we did. I think we did a pretty good job of explaining why this is so fucked, right? Like, this is. Do, do we feel like we understand this before we move on to like yeah. the personal as opposed to the economic? You know, I'll do a quick review. Um, reverse factoring is what happens when you sell your. You basically get your your debts to a supplier uh, sold on and uh, to a, a an investor. Uh, you are effectively able to just magic money into existence as long as the factor allows you to keep doing it. Um, and they, none of their activities are regulated because even though Greensill owns a bank in Bremen, it's not itself a bank. Uh, and none of the actual debt that's happening shows up on any balance sheet as debt. So it doesn't appear in any overall measure of indebtedness of a country or an industry or a company. And you can basically just churn cash through your balance sheet in order to stay looking like you're in financial health. Now, the other thing I want to say, right? Much like a mortgage bond, like in as much as like putting aside just the evil of like of, of debt as a method of social control and and the firm as a method of same, et cetera, et cetera. There's a perfectly fine reason to have a mortgage bond. That it's that there's nothing inherently bad about the mortgage bond. It's that it was very open to misuse by people who realized they could. It's the same thing about supply chain financing. There's nothing inherently evil about like about needing to smooth out cash flow in order to like to, to keep your operations going. It's there are el- there are elements of it that make it extremely exploitable, and people like Lex Greensill have made it their business um, to let's just say uh, with quite a few brushes with uh, the uh, morality, transparency, and the law 
um, basically brutally impose it on the economy and therefore the rest of us, because you better believe that the risks from this activity are going to be socialized. Mm. So with that review, let's talk about the personal. Let's talk about Lex Greensill. This is from a Greensill press release from June 2017. I think it tells a good story. <laughs> Greensill Capital is delighted to announce that its chief executive, Lex Greensill, has been made a, com- a CBE, a commander of the British Empire, for his services to the economy. services to the economy is so vague (laughs) like everyone everyone conducts services to the economy what the fuck kind of thing is that (laughs) lex greensill firsthand saw the impact of late payments on small businesses when his father's sugarcane farm in bundaberg australia experienced the pressure i hate this fucking shit of being like oh i'm just a small country lawyer made good fuck off no you worked at Citibank and then you invented a thing at Citibank that you used to like do further like to just do Illuminati shit shut the fuck up wow my family were just simple farmers we just owned a small plantation I don't really see why <laughs> all this all now, this now, city now financing yeah they're, they're like here, fanning I'm themselves just- I'm just a I'm just a simple contra money printer. <laughs> I don't know what all he's doing. Yeah, he grew right. up in the money fields of Western Australia. <laughs> so he experienced he the steam pressure. Powered money printer in 1874. <laughs> he said he experienced the pressure of being a small company supplying large multinationals. Never mind the fact that again, even like putting aside the fact that all business is evil, no matter what size. Putting aside the fact. All this is all this hat does is it enables Vodafone to tell its um, to tell its suppliers, sorry, you only I only owe you ninety eight percent of what we agreed. If you don't agree, I'll pay you next year. Um, so fuck off. Anyway, the following years saw Lex successfully lead supply chain finance businesses for Morgan Stanley and City before he and a team of seasoned specialists founded Greensill in twenty eleven. What he doesn't tell you is that he founded Greensill in 2011 with, and I quote, wealth derived from the agribusiness he inherited from his family and several wealthy friends. Oh, fuck. Oh, you were close it. with the plantation thing. It was nothing but a simple country inheritance of several million dollars. <laughs> and I must, I must say, well, these are seasoned executives with whom I have sat. We are talking 11 herbs and spices, my friend. In the back of your, can you set like one of your brain subroutines to come up with a Brendan O'Neill take about this guy? Um, you can, you can take a minute. <laughs> yeah, he yeah, was appointed a, a senior advisor to Prime Minister David Cameron and Barack Obama, advising both Downing Street and the White House on the successful launch of their supply chain finance initiatives, and remains a senior advisor to Her Majesty's government on supply chain finance. So. He invented an esoteric kind of of transaction that allow again like invented perfected whatever but he basically created this business as a modern category of finance he invented an asset class and is now traveling the world telling the most like gormless liberal leaders how they can also have like scam money printing factories of their own hmm and like th- these, the fact that there is like a British government SCF task force, it's not a task force to regulate the idea. It's, it's oh, a, heavens no. It's a task force to encourage this like one opaque sort of Australian conspiracy. If we okay. regulated it, like Carillion wouldn't, like Carillion basically was able to continue as a business and stiff all of its sole suppliers and many of its employees by disguising its enormous amounts of debt using this exact thing. <laughs> 
Hmm. All we wanted to do was propagate it because we assumed that, well, that's fine. It's a new asset class. That means more GDP because, again, all GDP is a measure of transactions that take place. I'm, so if you invent a new asset class, that's good for everyone except the people who have to pay for it I'm, when it all comes crashing I, down. I, I'm so glad we're not entering an enormous recession at the same time that there's a bunch of like prestige national firms that the government would be keen not to go under. So the Brendan O'Neill take about this, I've worked out what it is, is that, uh, you know, the the chattering classes, they hate this company because actually they just don't want small businesses to be paid in a timely fashion. And then that (laughs) they were really against this. then what they would actually do is they just wouldn't give any business to the large companies that do it, even though there's no public record which large companies do it. That's right. Fuck. I just had a horrible realization, too. You know, what the thing is, right, is that. This is such uh, uh, one of the like worst contortions of capital and like capitalist ideology that you have governments trying to encourage these like say say you are a government and you have an industry that like the British steel industry right that you want for oh we will come to that yeah let's say for political reasons you want to keep the British steel industry going you want to keep it as a going concern. Steel requires a lot of suppliers, it requires a lot of raw materials, requires a lot of energy, you have to get all of that stuff, which means you have to pay suppliers. You can either do one step, which is you bail out or nationalize that industry, or you can do the same thing with 19 extra steps and also uh, just some weird carcosin shit in the middle where you just get this guy to do it for you. Yeah, it's, it's he's able to summon money into existence, but he needs a mm. pentagram. Yeah, it's like, uh, y- you could just do that. You have the money printer. You don't need his money printer. Why are you asking him to do the money printing? Pentagram <laughs> so he- made of five bunning snags. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Uh, but he really leans into this simple country farmer who wants to make the world a better place narrative. Of he fucking does. It's not about money. He's sorry. I'm going to use the voice. I mean, I can do the Australian voice. I'm going to do that. Simple. Money. I'm a simple country money printer, but it's not about the money. It's about it's. It's actually a quest. It's. Uh, I'm going to make Red Dead Redemption now. now. Yeah. <laughs> it's not about <laughs> money, Dutch. It's not about Black money, Dutch. <laughs> uh, it's a quest. It's a quest to actually make a difference. The financial outcome of that is just a byproduct. Mm. It's a great privilege to have been able to get where we are today. But the thing that I love, prick. But the thing that I love is the fact that every day I get to help small companies who have the same dream that I had. We're actually doing good. Small companies like Vodafone and some others yeah. that I will not identify. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Uh, it also like he's bought fifty planes for his five hundred person company for some reason. Huh. Okay, that sounds we all, good. We all seem to be circling around this very small, uncharted island. Who <laughs> <laughs> yeah. knows where Actually, it is. Alice and I looked up the, yeah, uh, I, all I, the tail I, members well, the other I had, day. I had opened all 16 of my third eyes, and I looked up uh, <laughs> like flight tracking for all of these. And uh, it is weird. Firstly, nobody knows how many there are. Like, he has a bunch of, like, Dassault Falcons and Gulf Streams and stuff, all in the same livery, very cool kind of blue and silver. And then they're just all over the place. Like, they're in Europe, then there are some in Australia, and then they just, they go to Miami, they go to uh, Amsterdam. Uh, it's just totally, totally normal, normal stuff. But, like, scattered all around the UK, too, at dozens of different airports, mm-hmm. like, that are 100 miles from one it's, another. It, one, of the, one of the most normal things about uh, Lex Greensill 
is that he buys so many planes that in the like industry press a couple of years ago, there was a a, a, a kind of like harmless piece about this that was like, huh, wonder if he's thinking about starting an airline. Uh like, <laughs> no, no, he wasn't. He just he just yeah. likes buying uh just jets. Crocodile Dundee three, a collateralized debt palaver at Little St. James. Is it one of those situations where like he's bought all these planes, doesn't know what to do with them, but in order to like keep your plane functioning, it has to fly. So he's just like making various like flights to nowhere just to keep these planes running. I mean, he has made money uh, issuing a financial instrument against a process that's not dissimilar to that, Hussein, <laughs> which we'll get to. Uh, so he says, uh, when asked about how does he feel about being described as one of the country's newest and youngest billionaires? He says, it's like talking about someone in the third person. Measuring the value of someone and their contribution to the world by the value of the shares they own seems like an asinine concept to me. No, you should value them by all the accounts payable they haven't paid. (laughs) You should value them by, I don't know, maybe all of the government subsidies they are able Uh, to just eat. We we clearly know that there is only one objective way to to value a person, and that's their seating arrangement in front of this enormous stone owl every year. Um, absolutely. It's 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 how many layers into the party do you get taken? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, mm. The the size of the like beak on your carnival mask. Yeah. Uh, so mm. he this is here is from an article from this month, May. Was oh, that has, the month that it is? He has he <laughs> has by the time of this article that has been written, three companies have gone have exploded. Three large companies have gone belly up. And in no small part, Greasel was implicated uh, in the in the process of them basically hiding being a catastrophe. Mm. He brags about being the largest non-bank bond issuer in Europe, as though that's something good. Um, he's taken. He, he says uh-huh, life may have slowed down in rural Cheshire, but the opposite is true in supply chain finance. In our line of business, when supply chain cu- supply chains come under stress, what does everybody want? Everybody just wants to get paid today, particularly smaller businesses. Demand has been up 73% in the first quarter and more than 120% in April alone. Mm. Mm. And at no point does he interrogate why that is. No, no. it's it's fine. It's, it's just simply beneficial to me to have uh, like an enormous crisis and strain in supply lines. Yeah, it can't, it can't be that by providing this service, I create the conditions under which uh, small businesses need the service. But additional, uh, A, correct, that's absolutely correct, Milo, but B, imagine, if you will, we're not facing a liquidity crisis, but a solvency crisis. Mm. Something like this could probably could distract from that fact and worsen it. Yeah. Just uh, I I love to be falling off the thing and just to uh, just hear ticking from all of my pockets <laughs> from all mm. my pocket bombs. <laughs> why did why did I even bring these things when I was going <laughs> to jump off this cliff? Meanwhile, Actually, I'm wearing the hurt locker suit. <laughs> Meanwhile, the credit markets that Greensill taps on an almost daily basis have become more of a minefield. It's unquestionably the case that the fixed income markets are more disrupted than they were. We've had to work much harder to get our job done. Oh, it's not going to get better. It's going Aww. to get worse. Poor baby. <laughs> did somebody yeah. invest? Did somebody build their entire like shadow government on a like a a weird financialized instrument on a stock market that is just now yeah. divorced from reality? Poor we've baby. Had to, we've had to work much harder to get our job done. Also implies two things, which is a what they were doing could really be considered work in the first place, or b that there is a job that they are doing. 
Mm. <laughs> All they're doing is just sitting on sitting on these companies' supply chains and then just issuing them a bunch of Credit Suisse money. Um, and we're going to get... Oh, I keep talking about Credit Suisse. We'll get to. But first, I want to go a little bit back in time. This is to 2016. No one can write the letters IOU like me, pal. Try and replace <laughs> yeah. me. That's it. That's that's the innovation. That's the technology. Is we've just taken one kind of IOU, the mortgage bond, mutated it to be something that the private sector gets. So like you don't even get a house for a little while, and then spread it all around the world. The only countries that aren't heavily exposed to SCF are Switzerland and Japan, hmm. and probably North Korea. To be fair, I mean respect to those guys, <laughs> visionaries. <laughs> Uh, so this is a story of Sanjeev Gupta and his work with Lex Greensill to take over Britain's ailing steel industry from Rio Tinto in 2016. Uh, so uh, this was a thir- 330 million pound deal. Uh, and a lot of this information comes from an investigation done by the Sunday Times. So basically, uh, Gupta has this series of interlocking companies, the head of which is GFG Global. And what he wants to do is by is, is this vision for making steel using renewable energy. He calls it green steel. Bullshit idea. Mm-hmm. Anyway. One of my favorite Henry VIII tracks that. Yeah. <laughs> Greensill and Gupta basically devised a plan together to persuade the Scottish government to guarantee a smelter's, a smelter's power purchases from a nearby hydro plant for the next 25 <laughs> years. Oh, the s is so left-wing. <laughs> <laughs> we need to guarantee the smelter's power purchases. <laughs> Wait, why is he Dutch? I love. It. I'm doing a gold the, member the thing. The only way to not be racist Smelting. against Sanjeev Gupta with an accent is just make him a, a, yeah. an entirely different ethnicity and just make yeah, him a Dutch tough. guy. So no, no, it's a, gold, it's a gold member thing. Okay, so basically, what happens here, right, is we have this huge promise of again, as Alice, you were saying, not a nationalization of an ailing industry, but rather a huge subsidy. Would um, that it were so simple? Right, that you could just buy the thing with your money and no. then be like, I own this now. Yeah, you can't yeah, do that's that. Not fair. <laughs> you have to do you have to do some fucking just fannying around with like <laughs> seven different guys and yeah, just like yeah, hey, can you can you buy this thing? And instead you're just like, hold up, I have to like draw this like pentagram in the floor and like bone meal and summon up <laughs> this fucking cork hat wearing motherfucker to be like, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll do you a money printer, mate, no problem. It's, it's <laughs> one of the things that annoys me the most when they're like, oh, well, the government can't just buy this business. That's communism. No, communism is when the government takes it. The government <laughs> buying it is called capitalism. <laughs> <laughs> Greensill, so what Greensill did is he took this promise from the Scottish government and this is from the ST, and he converted that into then 360 million pounds worth of supply chain finance bonds. Huh. That's weird. It's almost like bond issuance, which would ordinarily be a a, a government thing, especially bond issuance on a government bailout, has just been like parasitized by this fucking like mind control fungus. This this basically reminds me of when Homer is buying the doll from the creepy old guy, and like he doesn't really understand why it's bad, but he's being unnerved. Like, oh, the, the doll is, cur- is also yeah, cursed. Okay. Yeah, the frogat contains potassium benzoate, and I'm sort of thinking, like, well, it sounds bad. <laughs> I, I can't tell you exactly why it is bad, but it doesn't sound good. Hussein, before we go further, I want to summon you back. Yo. I mean, I've kind of just, I, I'm waiting to hear like the rest of the story. I feel like we've just kind of went into some bizarre chaos where Sanjeev Gupta like was Dutch. Okay. 
So here's the thing. <laughs> I'm sorry to <laughs> destroyed your brain with that one. All right. So let's let's go back. So the Scottish government presumably would have to issue a bunch of bonds in order to borrow the money to guarantee the purchases from this hydro plant. And so what happens is they guarantee the purchase of, of from the purchases from the hydro plant. Greensill converts that guarantee back into bonds, but this time that are privately held, sells them on the financial markets to finance Sanjeev Gupta's purchase of that smelter. <sighs> just like yeah. just buy the thing. Don't <laughs> no, don't bail out the thing and then use speculation on the bailout to let a guy borrow the money Alice, to buy Alice. the thing. It's a tech company. See, do I'm, you see all the technology there? <laughs> mm. I am banging so, my head against the desk right now. Oh, don't poke your third eye. So basically, here's yeah. the other crazy thing, which is that for this to work, it requires a, a gigantic pool of money, not to necessarily act as a patsy, but to um, maybe just take it on without asking any questions. So in this case, the debt was bought by his friend Tim Haywood, who was a high-flying fund manager. Wait, 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 at- hold up. Before you finish that sentence... Who do we know that has just has a bunch of money and absolutely no interest in like seeing where it gets spent or diverted? Is it going to be SoftBank? <laughs> Not no. Oh. In this case, no. Tim Haywood is at an asset manager called GAM in Zurich. Um, they love an acronym. And by the way, people, just so you know, in the uh, 2017, Moody's gave these an A A credit rating. These bonds, and then. Um, and they were just bought by his friend, more or less. Cool. Um, just yeah, just guys being dudes. So again, what they did was they cr- the the fund and Greensill created a Luxembourg domiciled company that existed solely to cool. e- to buy, hold, and trade bonds against Scottish gov- a Scottish government debt that were basically privatized by Alex Greensill. I'm so, so annoyed. Mm. I'm so annoyed that we're all going to get shot seven times in the back of the head for an episode that five people will understand. <laughs> yeah. So well, uh, I, I, I don't see the problem here because, I mean, they set up the company in Luxembourg, which means it's good because there are lots of companies in Luxembourg. So it must be a good place to set up a company. <laughs> that's right. Business friendly so, economy. So that's yeah. the first part of the plan. And that's not the part that led to a massive existential crisis at GAM. In 2016, Gupta realized he needed to fund uh, more activities, and he saw that there was a big, a big uh, government subsidy available for generating renewable power. Uh, okay. So he basically said, "Okay, I'm going to use used cooking oil." <laughs> what? Okay, hey fellas, I'm just going to buy used diesel generators from whoever will sell them to me, <laughs> put them in shipping containers, and then I'm going to just assume. Um, that e- these generators will be able to run 80% of the time until 2037 I, and and generate more than a billion pounds with inflation factored in. I'm, I'm, I'm going to do some Lord of War shit and I'm just going to fuck around and like just yeah. dump a... It's, oh no, fuck, your Simpsons thing is it's the grease that the groundskeeper Willie has I, to siphon out of the fucking tube. <laughs> I wrote a story a few weeks ago about like the value of used cooking oil and it was kind of like... It was really weird because it was every kind of professional uh, person like biodiesel and um, renewable energy was basically kind of saying like there isn't really enough research or like data to kind of suggest that this is going to be like a good like long term um, solution. And for the most part, the people who are making used cooking oil um, are people who are basically like 
basically making their own fuel. So like libertarians who live in like Alabama and um, like Alabama and Sanjeev Gupta is an even weirder term. In very, it's just a, a simple country arbitrage <laughs> investing. <laughs> also, like various kind of like uh, Facebook entrepreneurs who live in like Uganda and Kenya and Pakistan and stuff like that, who mm. are like so. There's like this very a lot of emails. That's all we'll say about them. There's a, there's a flourishing market for like used cooking oil on bizarre corners of Facebook, but it's nowhere near the amount that like he seems to like Sanjay Gupta seems to have like valued it at. Like, uh, you know, that's that's so weird, man. That's crazy. Basically, what's happened is he's noticed that there is a, a certain kind of subsidy, again, from the UK government yeah. for generating renewable power. And the EU as well. Uh, like The EU like, has yeah. quite a big subsidy for that. And so what you can do is, again, you can say, I'm going to just basically throw together some shit, make a claim about how much I'll be able to generate. Mm-hmm. Then, be, be, I, then I can just sell assets against those subsidies, assuming awesome. they'll come through. I love this. That these people are just doing like wallet inspector shit on the government, and the way it works is just so bizarre. Like it reminds me of those uh, those TikTok cooking videos where they're but like the laddie ones where a guys like, okay, we're gonna make chicken pie. All right, get that boogie in there, and then like five seconds later, there's a chicken pie, but you have no idea how to make a chicken pie. <laughs> like that. Okay, today we're gonna be defrauding the government. So what you're gonna need is uh, five billion liters of used cooking oil. Bog it in there, and now we've got five hundred billion dollars in mortgage securities. We're going to sell to my mate Tim, and now own a house on the Riviera. What? <laughs> and don't forget, this is a tech company. Yeah, it's yeah. It, mm, 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 mm. What happened was what actually happened was right. Um, they they never got uh the the fuel to power the generators profitably. They were not able to run the generators at all close to 80% because used cooking oil is an incredibly unpredictable and inefficient fuel. That means mm. you can power yeah, the, the them. Fucking, like, the, the fish suppers keep getting stuck yeah. in the generators. And, and yeah. so, and like, so the UK, so basically, he just created this financial instrument against the promise of a government subsidy, but the government never paid the subsidies because the thing never worked. So it's not even not even wallet inspecting the government. It's an attempted wallet inspection <laughs> that you then fun. use to be like, "Hey, I took, I inspected that guy's wallet. Check it out." Yeah, but, but it was forget, a nice he idea. Successfully, he successfully sold the securities against that back to that Swiss asset manager. And so, in this case, it's just an asset manager. So who gives a shit? But if that's then, if these kinds of bad debts are then sold to a bank, that risk is now socialized. So cool. even when, even when you don't draw down on the subsidies, the fact that you are, whether you draw down on the subsidies, then you're taking from the public purse by privatizing the subsidies, essentially. If you never draw down on the subsidies and you sell to a bank, then you draw on the public purse by creating more risk for that bank that has to be socially backstopped. Yeah, I love I love how like dumb bankers are because like they only ever think in terms of numbers, but they never actually think in terms of how anything practically works. So a guy a guy comes up to them and he's like, "Oh, I have this uh, this machine, and uh, what the machine does is it makes money. Uh, now the expected value of that money is uh, quite a lot, but I'll sell it to you for eighty percent of that. But uh, then the only thing is that the machine runs on this fuel called Chernobyl explodium. Anyway, <laughs> we're pretty sure it's fine. <laughs> So basically, like that shut down GAM as a purchaser for green sale bonds and was a huge scandal in the financial world. Um, yeah, I'm sure there were so many consequences. 
Yeah, but that didn't stop Always. Greensill for a number of reasons. Like, for example, remember how they had cozy relationships with David Cameron? He's also a board member of Greensill. <laughs> huh. Huh. <laughs> hmm. That's weird. Of course he is. Yes. <laughs> well, you know, I was thinking about this the other day, right? Because um, I was reading a story in the, um, in the mail. Wait, no, not the mail. I wouldn't have been reading them. I can't remember. One of the newspapers. Um, and uh, it was about there's this like British uh, trade, like British Indian trader guy who's just like one of those like autistic trading savants who basically made a load of money like five years ago by um, uh, sending like rumor emails out and doing like kind of like short term high frequency arbitrages and stuff. And uh, the US government is trying to like extradite him to the US to like put him in jail f- till like the sun explodes. Um, and I was like, but no one who caused the global financial crisis went to jail. Wait, until the sun exp- is constantly explode. Uh, no, no, yeah, Milo. Yeah. Okay, that's the thing. Nobody well, caused actually it's going to implode. Alistair Grass Tyson there. Yeah. <laughs> no, so, yeah, no one who caused the financial crisis went to jail. But don't forget, this is one of these things where it's like, the country, countries are begging Lex Greensill to come in and set set vehicles up for them so they can do supply chain finance. Yeah, trading like, utes. He's never, if, if anything, as the crisis deepens, he's going to be asked to do more things. Okay, so d- d- skip ahead to the, the, the red string on corkboard thing. What are some of the things that we have, like, that what are some of the things that he has funded that, like, has... <laughs> okay. Just All g- right, give so- us the list. So, um, all of my chakras are aligned first, in like every, 18 different dimensions at once. Everybody take a deep breath. So, Greensill okay. has four major supply chain funds that back its activity, and for at least one of whom, it is the sole broker. That means Greensill is the only source of notes for that fund. So, it's the only, it's the only seller to that fund. So, Greensill acts as the exclusive broker for the supply chain financing of Credit Suisse's $8 billion supply chain financing fund, 15% of which goes into the following companies. And remember earlier, I said that Greensill was a SoftBank investment, valued by SoftBank at $8 billion. 15% of Credit Suisse's supply chain financing fund goes into OYO. Huh, we did an episode on them. Huh, we did an episode on them. And then two more we haven't done an episode on, View and Gauzy, one of which is a window manufacturer, the other is a car sales platform. Okay, View and Gauzy just sound like SoundCloud rappers. 15% (laughs) of that fund goes into four companies in which SoftBank has invested, all of which were added to that fund at that level after SoftBank made its investment in Greensill. The really, Hmm. the, the most fucked thing about this when we were doing these notes, Riley and I, was we went through and we looked at the companies that uh, Greensill had been propping up, and just quite independently, we were like, "Huh, didn't we do an episode on that one?" And then, like five minutes later, "Huh, didn't we do an episode on that one?" And it turned out that the like shadow antagonist of our podcast this whole time was this one fucking Australian because he has a, like he's the power behind the throne for every single dumb startup you have ever heard us made fun of. Every slapstick fucking riff that we've ever done about like a Benny Hill like doorbells chasing you and like uh, drones dropping pizzas on your face. That's all been this one guy. 
I love I love to live in the Hideo Kojima investment economy where yes. like there was a yes. there was originally there was there was uh, Dundee of whom several clones were made Punished Dundee Liquid <laughs> Dundee Crocodile Dundee This guy is absolutely like a solidus snake figure uh, mm. he he d- terrifies the fuck out of me and so here's, like I want hmm. to I want to talk about I want to talk about some some financial relationships and how they work in the Credit Suisse supply chain financing fund. What specifically these companies being reverse factored through Greensill does for them and does for SoftBank in theory. Because let's remember, if it wanted to, and we have zero evidence that it did, right? There is no evidence that SoftBank did this, but SoftBank could use Greensill to churn Credit Suisse's money through, for example, OYO's books and make it look like a normal operating cost without affecting OYO's ratios and therefore without affecting OYO's uh, overall valuation and therefore while improving the, f- the performance of the SoftBank Vision Fund on paper only at the expense of every hotel owner in the world. R- remember, remember how at the time we did each one of these dumb startups were like, Huh, why is it valued this much? Oh, those wacky SoftBank shenanigans. Uh, how could it possibly make money? Mm, yeah, no. Yeah. Allegedly, allegedly, theoretically, hypothetically, there could be uh, possibly a very good reason why you would want to like value the machine that kills hotels at $18 yeah. trillion. Because you can just take Credit Suisse money and make it look like money's going through that business. Yeah. Mm. Cool. And let's don't, and let's not forget, right? We have no evidence that SoftBank did that, but we know that no. like five major Greensill clients, two of four of which in the last year did do that. <laughs> yeah, but that's didn't, just a coincidence. Didn't Carillion do that too? <laughs> yes, Carillion did that. Okay. Oh, they so, say, fool me once, shame on you. Fool me day or nine times. So, oh, weird that this keeps happening. <laughs> <laughs> just, just so, just so I, I, I can get this clear again. Is it like, I wonder if like the whole tech company thing is kind of almost like a way of whitewashing the situation. Like the one where it's like, well, the transaction seems a little bit less sus if it's going through or it's being administered by a technology company that doesn't have the same type of baggage as like, what is effectively like an investment or a finance fund? Yeah, well, it's not just that it doesn't have the ba- it's not just that it doesn't have the baggage. It's that it it's that the regulation doesn't apply to it, right? And I wonder and if so, like, I wonder if that also reflects into like the whole um, maybe like there's not like a kind of public attitude, but like tech companies need to be need to have that uh, type of regulation. And I I definitely see like in other areas of. Um, discourse, the idea, you know, the idea of like, well, if we want to get the economy back up and running post coronavirus, then tech companies are really going to be the ones who like lead in terms of innovation. So we should be putting less regulation on them, and that kind of like fucks up the whole, you know, the whole premise of like what we're talking about, and even like the nature of this program is one which basically says that like tech companies do nothing except for like obscure capital and capital flows and capital movements. Um, hmm. So really, like what we're effectively doing is basically like we have this industry of people who are not only much stupider than banks in terms of trying to achieve the same objective, but they also kind of, on the virtue of their stupidity, um, are kind of going to get like a much freer pass to like do all this shit. It's going to take me to call It's a mistake to call Lex Greensill stupid. I no, think no, no, no. He's, he's, not, that's, that's he's not, a very smart man. It's not Lex Greensill that's stupid. It's Liz Warren who's stupid. 
Yeah, exactly. Liz, idea- Liz Warren or like other prudential regulators are stupid because they will like talk very, very loudly about how they're going to like leave blood and teeth on the carpet when dealing yeah. with banks and then be like, you are a bank only if you have the word bank in big gold <laughs> letters on the outside of your building. <laughs> Wait, if, if you do not have that, I pretend I do not see it. It's it's like if your house is being robbed by someone who's not wearing a like a striped shirt and carrying a big dollar sign sack. Yeah, exactly. You're like, well, I couldn't be being robbed. That's not dressed like a robber. But he, okay, here's I wanted to also do a little bit of marks here right now, which is that when we talk about the tendency of the rate of profit to fall, we mean something very specific about the replacement of labor by capital. So the composition of of capital is refers to a combination of uh in, of invested uh invested capital like a machine and human and variable capital, which is your labor force, over time to b- get more efficient and stay ahead of its, um, let's say, stay ahead of its uh, 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 competitors, companies replace more and more of the human capital with, um, with, with machines, which means that they make less and less money because the money that you make, the profit that you make, is the, is the excess value that you're able to extract from your, uh, from your labor force, from, from human capital. So you can't. It's you make you make profit by exploiting labor, and but the amount of labor you're using is going less and less and less and less. Yeah, yeah. You you replace you replace a laborer with a steam loom, yeah. or you replace a laborer with the McDonald's ordering thing. So the rate of profit falls, and what you what were the reason that these tech companies, the ones that get really successful, the multi-billion-dollar unicorns, the reason that they are successful is that they are able to. Um, not that they are able to create better physical capital, they are able to create better machines, it's that they are able to circumvent regulations allowing you to more intensively exploit frequently labor, or in this case, uh, circumvent regulations that allow you to invent money from thin air. So the idea of, of seeing tech companies as primarily involved in the business of capital, of, of, of physical fixed capital, is incorrect. They should be seen as 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 facilitating the exploitation of variable capital, or in this case, facilitating the ability to just dream money out of thin air. Yeah. Alternatively, if you don't like that idea, think of think of it as the monorail episode of The Simpsons. <laughs> also, you could do that. So, but, but here's the thing, right? If we go back all the way to the creation of Greensill, and more, more than that, to its the manufacturing of consent for supply chain finance as a practice, where they even bothered to manufacture it, they mostly just hid it. Um, it was always talked like the, the supply chain finance initiative in the US and UK and stuff. It's always talked about as a solution to a liquidity problem. I, as a business, need money now uh, so I can pay some employees or pay suppliers or whatever. When actually, it's most frequently used, or it is increasingly frequently used as the solution to a solvency problem, which is I am not a going concern. I'm not making profit. However, I'm able to continue chasing a falling rate of profit, either as as capital in general or as a defunct um, firm, or not defunct firm, a, a zombie firm, by just inventing the money. Hmm. And and it does and, zombify and, your company, right? Like you, it seizes control of it. With a, a, a thing which is dead is still it, like shambling around. It's one of these things where it doesn't necessarily seize control of it, but it ca- just as in all cases, debt is a. It doesn't seize control of the individual decisions, but it seizes control of the decision framework. It seizes control of the of what you do, what you're working to, and you begin to be. It, you, it almost it's like a payday lender. The payday lender doesn't seize control of your daily operations, but it controls your life. 
Um, yeah. Cool. Mm. Yeah, that sounds good. I mean, and as so, we know, people who borrow money from payday lenders, it always works out well in the end. Yeah. <laughs> Why so, the uh, motherfucker owns so many planes, though? Yeah, I read a really interesting article by this guy called James Ball. I really recommend it. And apparently, a payday loans really help people pay their bills on time. <laughs> so here's the thing. What do you think Greensill is doing now oh. uh, to respond to the coronavirus crisis? Learning Correct. German. Like, mm. doing some sort of Skillshare class. I don't know what... Yeah. Um, are they at a, are they at a big meeting where a goat has just been sacrificed and yeah, they're chanting in tongues? Yeah, it's gonna be some yellow king shit. It's gonna be like he asked they're handling NHS. NH- no, I'll tell you this: they're handling NHS salary advance payment. Oh, good, cool, okay. great. Yeah, because they bought a company called Earned, which we also talked about. <laughs> oh my god! Oh, awesome. My god. Yes, I remember them. <laughs> Oh my god! Wasn't, wasn't that the company where like someone would lend you money and then you were encouraged to tip them and you didn't have to tip them, but if you didn't tip them, like bad things would happen to yes. you. Unspecified. Yes. This is this has been like this episode has been so long in the making because every time we got close to Greensill, we were like we were brushed by the wings of something dark, and then it just like kind of passed, and we were like, oh, this startup's quite silly, isn't it? Mm. Oh, also, uh, it, the one about tipping was called something else. We talked about earned on a different episode. Yeah, whatever. Uh, okay. But still, yes, we I, I talked feel, about I feel earned. no obligation to be accurate towards these no, people. We have, we have one million percent on some Yellow King shit. We have talked about earned in the past. And they're doing it, by the way, they're not charging anyone anything. They're doing it as a public service. But hey, golly, don't you know it? They're going to become essential to the operation of the company as people begin to expect and then like to be paid on a daily basis and because let's say uh people who can impose costs of workers like landlords and stuff begin charging rent at like different rates hey what do you know um the entire nhs has just been has just been infected by the cordyceps fungus more or less yeah we we let it in to for it to do a public service because alex green sold all about inspector He's always about doing in public service. He's about making the world a better place for small business. Meanwhile, he's just like taken over all of he's just he's just created a bunch of magical banks out of nothing. Yeah. I I love yeah. to like privatize various bits of the state with my magic flute. And here's the thing, right? The Greensill model is has exploded in popularity. He says it's a five trillion dollar market. He says there's what about sixty billion of receivables assets secured. No one knows how big it is, though, because it's completely unregulated. All the practices, all the people producing supply chain finance, unregulated. Or, or many of them are, because it's a very big non-bank area. You, there are banks mm. that do it, too. And additionally, anyone taking out supply chain finance doesn't show up as debt. It just shows up as OPEX. So it, it, you have no idea how big this market really is. But it's all based on this idea that everything is just going to keep moving forward because if it because when the housing market stopped growing in the U.S., when people realized there was a problem, the entire thing came crashing down because the entire thing was living on confidence from one month to the next month to the next month. And now it's the same thing in a very large amount of corporate supply chains because when the regulators weren't looking... The big just-in-time supply chains around the world all slowly became banks. Hmm. Awesome! This guy's like corporate finance, Willy Wonka. Like, but here's the you thing: get the, you get the tour of the chocolate factory, and then you like you take the chocolate, and he's like, "Oh, you don't have to pay for the chocolate now. I'll pay for the chocolate to myself by selling a security <laughs> to someone else, which I will then invest in." Let, let, let's um, just say that you don't pay with money. <laughs> here's the thing. Sky News has learned that the Treasury and Bank of England are in discussions about an emergency program targeted at 
the users of supply chain finance. Actually, I can do the. I mean, I, I, I joke with the drop, but you probably should have chills by now. Uh, it, like, at mm -hmm. some point, for different listeners, the penny will have dropped at different times. But, like, this is a, a genuinely horrifying new kind of extractive uh, innovation, right? And it's just... Hmm. The Rishi Sunak is understood to have been alerted to concerns about reduced liquidity in capital markets, which usually fund the receivables-backed instruments on which supply chain funders depend. Yeah, so all of that money by a shadowy Australian-shaped informant. So here's the thing: all that money that the bank is now worried that uh, workers might get addicted to is about to be dumped. This, uh, the Bank of England is about to be hooked up directly to an a shadow pool of unregulated, uh, financialized supply chains. Yeah, I mean, this it is sounds the thing. Like, you, you can get as conspiratorial as you want about this because it doesn't actually matter. It, it it would be the same whether this guy was like taking orders from uh, I don't know some moon base or if he was just like one Australian shithead out for himself. It, it, the actions would be the same. The motivations would be the same either way. But mm. on a personal level, I have to stress: I one million percent believe this is some moon base shit. I think this guy. We we should investigate the moon closely. Uh -huh. um, yeah. Well, you it, have blow to. It up. Yeah, <laughs> you have to believe that it's the moon base shit. Yeah, I I have to because like it's so it's so perverse that like just one dude just like inadvertently like bumbling into this shit on his own is 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 too implausible for me. Now, now I'm imagining like the, the the supreme leader of this like weird secretive Australian moon colony, the moon, the Australia of the solar system. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm totally into like the Australian Illuminati between this guy and Murdoch. I'm, yeah. I'm having some dark thoughts, man. Alice, who who do you think pays the salaries of the Pennsylvania and Bridge End Secret Services? It's oh, the Australian oh, Illuminati. Oh shit! Oh shit! Oh, shit. <laughs> the the Illuminoodles. <laughs> Have you seen how high a fucking hopping dog can jump on the moon? It's crazy. Some of them don't come back. <laughs> oh man, that like this episode has been just sh like my brain has been rattling back and forth in my skull for days. Well, good good news. It will do that once you get shot. I still times. don't like, fully understand mm. what the fuck's going on. It just sort of like I just keep thinking about the reverse fucking pyramid. Um, which I guess like is a very neat, you know, we're talking now about the Australian Illuminati. So I guess like we have yeah, upside down <laughs> eye with a pyramid, right? We have our conclusion. <laughs> we just, we, we have unlocked the secret of the Illuminati, which is that mm. just a bunch of angry, uh, dungaree wearing Australians. You, you, you know what else is an upside down triangle besides the Australian Illuminati? The fucking trash future logo. That's right. That's us. <laughs> the pyramid just says Bunnings on it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, I'm vibrating at too high of a frequency. I have to. Yeah. We, we all have to throw ourselves out of windows several times. Uh, yeah. I'm, I'm going to be attacked by a random assailant that will be just never talked about again. Yeah. I, I'm, yeah. Fe I'm, feel I'm feeling very much like I want to like disappear forever and just not be found. Yeah. 
If anyone needs a if anyone needs a shirt, just put your name, address, and postcode on a postcard and send it to uh, the suitcase at the bottom of the Thames, which I'll be in. <laughs> <laughs> no, just 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 think that you want a shirt. You don't have to tell anyone. The the mm. Australian Illuminati will know, and they will arrange exactly. the shirt getting to you. Uh also, this has been a Patreon episode, so thank you for subscribing. We're going to do some weird shit to our uh, Patreon income soon. We'll see if we can financialize it into a billion dollars somehow, just with some confidence <laughs> oh, tricks and like a cork hat. Um, yeah, we're a bank now. Yeah, we're a bank. Uh, Trash Future Bank. <laughs> we we um, were an oil storage warehouse last week, so yeah. we should just be a bank this we're, week. From phase bank to phasing to a bank. We live in a society. <laughs> oh, yeah. Right. We're going to leverage the shirts we still have in stock to like buy a Saudi oil company or something. <laughs> right. Probably afford it. Yeah, we can probably afford it now. Um, all right. So uh, I think that's about it for now. I have to go lie down. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm, again, I'm, not- I'm, I'm good. <laughs> I'm feeling good. I'm not upset. If I disappear, all of, all of us are fine We're mentally and physically. None of us are getting ill. None of us are having any thoughts of self harm. I, I came down to have like a chill, like a chill acting podcast with my friends, and I got exactly that. Yeah. Uh, so uh, once again, thank you for listening. Thank you for listening to our Patreon. You know where to get a shirt should you want one. Uh, it's going to be details in the description. Remember, Saint Brendan's Day debate is happening on Thursday, eighteenth. Uh, Thursday the eighth. There is no Thursday the eighteenth. I no, it's invented that. The yeah. Uh, so the Saint well, Brendan's that, that Day debate is going to be signal to your Australian yeah. handlers. Yeah. Mm. So the, the Saint Brendan's Day debate is going to be happening on Thursday the twenty first. Huh. That is Thursday the twenty first, the closest Thursday to Saint Brendan's Day on the calendar that we could get. Uh, so do check out twitch.tv slash trash future podcast for that. Otherwise, oh. it's nine to eleven on Wednesday, Thursday, and Sunday. And did I miss anything other than the song? Uh, the the theme song is "Here We Go" by Ginseng. If you play it yeah. backwards, it contains a series of coded instructions that will lead you to a dead drop. Yeah, uh, that's right. The bit where he says, "Start taking notes." If you play that backwards, it says, "Crikey, look at the size of that ripper." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is why this is why the Steve Owen had to be silenced because he knew too that's much. Right. <laughs> All right, Illuminati Stingray. <laughs> <laughs> I'll uh, I'll I'll see y'all later. Bye. Yeah. Bye. Yeah, bye.